1: Lavina Good with us this morning. Mark Watson uh, is with us as well and if we don't get uh, headlines and ratings out of this panel I'll go he because there will be some controversy I am sure to talk about and let's start with you Lavina Good. Let's give you the first opportunity. You know I I read stuff on a regular basis because it gives us snippets of things that we can work on on the show. Three or four articles uh, this morning on opposition growing around the visit SOLDI sponsorship for the Women's World Cup. Where do you sit with this?
0: Hey, Smitty, hey, Watto, nice nice to chat with you. Um, I'll tell you where I sit with it. Um, I don't sit very well with that sponsorship deal, and, and that's the truth. Um, I've had friends and colleagues that have worked in Saudi Arabia, and uh, the issue there is that women's rights in general, not just gay, lesbian, trans, queer, but women's rights in general have been denied. They're, they're not allowed to marry, they're not allowed to divorce, they're not allowed to travel, they're not allowed to get a job, they're not allowed to have surgery without permission from their male guardians. And I see FIFA are really desperate to try and get lots of numbers from women playing football um, out of this World Cup that's being held in the southern hemisphere for the first time. And they've got a target of 60 million, which they would like to hit. But in terms of bringing in this sponsorship deal from Saudi Arabia, it would actually put me off watching the tournament because I don't support it. Whatsoever, I said Amnesty's come out as well and um, put their two boots in and said that it's um, horrible to even consider the sponsorship. The politicians are now chipping in from both parties here in New Zealand. And I just feel as though that pressure has to really be put on FIFA. We we know, guys, money talks in all sport, especially football. I mean, you just have to look at Qatar to know that it speaks in football. But in terms of the reputation of this tournament um, and the football firms being proud rainbow status
1: team it doesn't sit very pretty with me at all and I hope it does not go ahead Yeah, this is an amazing uh, thing this Mark, you know uh, 2018, women um, they're pushing all of, all of a sudden women were not even allowed to go to football matches until 2018 uh, in Saudi Arabia that's uh, quite incredible
2: yeah, look, and it's all pretty draconian. It's all in the name of religion too, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, it, it, it's a very archaic system that they have in Saudi Arabia. And look, any time you go and get sponsorship on board, you're wanting to try and get the right fit. What is the story we're trying to tell? And what is that synergy? Now, let's go to the marketplace and find similar organisations, businesses that have a um, a very similar philosophy or whose customer base reaches that target audience. I mean, that's basic sort of uh, sports marketing 101 uh, with this one. But look, I mean, this is FIFA. This is an organisation who awarded the World Cup to Qatar. And we know there are human rights issues, particularly around um, gay rights, particularly. Where I struggle with this one is a little bit where government and politicians start getting involved. Saudi Arabia is our 24th biggest export trading partner, $760 million a year we export to Saudi Arabia. So I find that all a little bit hypocritical. It's okay on a business needs to deal with them, but hey, we'll take the moral high ground and we'll virtual signal and we'll get behind this both politically, uh, whether you sit on the left or the right. And I think look, I'm in agreement with Lavina completely here, this should not go ahead. But then at the same time you've also got to be careful. I mean you'll be aware of the caste system that exists in India and that's basically some sort of form of apartheid over there with their basically their class system. And women I'm not sure necessarily are treated particularly well over there. But we don't have any problems in cricket teams, we don't have any problem with our players making millions off that. We have no problem with China, yet you look at the racial cleansing that's trying to go on with the Waigo community, or the Uyghurs over there in that part of China. So where does all this stop, and I just think we've got to be a little bit careful politically. That you know we're consistent across the board. Um, I think it's different for sports organisations and sports fans to step up, but when government tried to do it, I find a little bit insincere, and I find it just a little bit hypocritical.
1: Okay, uh, good points of view on you. We get uh, we get them from uh, you two this morning. Um, the the other thing of, of interest, uh, Mark. I'll let you have a first crack at this as well. Is that uh, New Zealand football have been under the gun, I think it's fair to say, that hasn't come out well publicly. Uh, their relationship with Danny Hay, uh, of course, was uh, well and truly publicised and the fact they couldn't retain him or he wanted to go. Uh, and now uh, all that time has uh, passed. We think we've got a, a final announcement on our next uh, All Whites coach and uh, he didn't want the job in the first place. This is is this a little bit ugly, a little bit silly? it
2: is a little bit silly but it's also just the reasons why danny hay left isn't there there's no international feature there doesn't seem to be a lot of emphasis on the men's game uh seems to be a lot of emphasis on the women's game and that's understandable with the women's world cup coming up but the women aren't winning um and so that that that, you sort of go well okay hang on a minute maybe we do need to start sort of throwing back some towards the men here a little bit but yeah i mean who wants the job you you don't know when you're actually going to be performing what what What's actually on the line here? I mean, playing games in Oceania uh, to t- try and qualify for a World Cup, which we're going to qualify for anyway with 48 teams. Um, yeah, look, you just sort of sense with New Zealand football, a little bit like New Zealand rugby, that they just lack some real leadership at the top here. They just they just seem to be very wishy-washy, don't they? And it just seems to be all a little bit too... Um, Oh, yeah, what's the word? Just, just just, a little bit too broad and maybe just too many committee meetings and too much wishful thinking. You know, should never let Danny Hay go in the first place. And there's clearly a reason for that. And probably Danny Hay will give you the reasons for it. And part of the reason why perhaps we can't get people like John Herdman on board. But, you're yeah, not good enough. I mean, this is a big, big sport in this country. Huge for, for both girls and boys and for men and women. And you need leadership. I'd argue that at a grassroots level, it's almost bigger than rugby. And yet we just can't seem to quite get it right ever, can we? I mean, the turnover of coaches we've had in the last, what, four or five years, it's always a sign. Anytime you see a high staff turnover, it's always a sign that the organisation is in trouble. And as I say normally, you know, it's the old saying, isn't it? A a fish rots from the head
1: down. Hmm. Fish rots from the head down. Like it. I like it. Uh, Lavina, where do you sit on this?
0: He would have been great. John Herdman would have been fantastic. He's done wonders for Canada, honestly, wonders. But um, he was one of five candidates, put his hand up for the job, got the job, then said he didn't want to come due to personal reasons. So a bit of a conundrum now for New Zealand football. They have to go back and maybe see if the Wellington Phoenix coach, Talay, is interested. And he's already come out and said, don't come back. I'm not interested. You didn't pick me first time round so I'm not going to put my hand up second time round. So they're really in limbo at the moment. I totally agree with Watto. There's a lack of leadership there which stems from the top and can trickle down to the bottom, and they need to get that stuff sorted. But step number one, they need to find an international coach that can do the job, and at the moment, there's not too many people putting their hands up for it. So, yeah, yeah, it's trickling waters at the moment, I think, for New Zealand football.
1: OK, uh, we'll take an a, a early break here, a, a quick break. We'll go to the... Um uh, Ottawa with the news and when we come back, um, it's it must be uh, rugby league, rugby uh, rugby union stage of the season you know, very close because uh, guess who's in the headlines? Roger Tuavasa Shek, Lavina Good might have something to say about that. The panel Talk to me Mark Watson with us this morning, as is Lavina Good. This is part two of the panel, and part two is going to be headlined by um, the rumours around Roger Tuovasa-Shek. Is he actually considering a move back to Australia, or is this muck raking and stirring on the other side of the Tasman? Lavina Good, it's all yours.
0: I struggle saying his name because Roger and I broke up, actually. He did the dirty on me, went behind my back, didn't do anyone. Went to the dark side. And uh, now, after starting just once for the All Blacks against Japan, I think he's only played 19 minutes of football for the All Blacks. You hear from former international Brian Fletcher talking about maybe two of will be considered for the Chooks. If not this year, then definitely next year, depending on whether or not he'll get that call up for the all black. So we all know Geordie Barrett's the one with the number 12 on his jumper. So that's got to be in the back of um, Roger Tuivasa-Shek's mind. And the way I see it, he'll end up like Wendell Saylor, Lottie Takiri, Matt Rogers and Sam Burgess. They all had a little taste of rugby, all decided to come back to the greatest game of all. But sorry, Rog, you and I are never, ever, ever getting back together. <laughs>
1: Well, that's a shame. Relationship-wise, it's a real shame. Um, Mark Watson, I'm not sure you were... Were you ever that close to Roger in the first place?
2: Well, Love Socks to Midnight with Lavinia. Um Well, <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I actually, um, from a very... I did the first couple of years of college first, I seen rugby for Sky, and I was very lucky to interview Roger Tuibas. I probably the first television interview he ever did. He was captain of Atahoo College. And we basically had to talk him through how to just answer a couple of questions for us. And I remember him playing De La Salle and the sidestep was just incredible. And I said to Keith Quinn at the time, that's the best sidestep I've probably seen since Tanarumanga. Um, he was just the sensation. And he went on and played New Zealand schoolboys with the likes of TJ Perinara, um, Alex Hodgman. There were some very, very good boys in that. Um, to Angawasi in that side. And... You know, he played out on the wing, Uh, but then he clearly went to Rugby League. And unfortunately, you know, he's bulked up a lot. He got a lot bigger. He probably lost to just a yard of pace. And so when he was coming into rugby, you're like, well, where are you going to play him? He didn't have the kicking game to play fullback. And probably second 5'8 seems to almost be the default setting for a lot of Rugby League players. But look, he just hasn't made it. He should never have been picked as an All Black. He was never All Black quality. It was a little bit of a marketing ploy. I mean, when you look at some of the... New Zealanders that have missed out over the years like James Lowe who's gone and played for Ireland and you sort of see a Roger Sheikh, you do wonder how they can present, the All Black Selectors can present one rationale for one player and then a completely different rationale for the selection of another. Look, I think he'd be very lucky to be in All Black. Yeah, I just don't think there's a position on the rugby field for him. You know, the only other place he could play is on the wing, and I just don't think he's got the speed. I think he's certainly got the sidestep, but maybe that's where we need to see him in Super Rugby, more out on the wing to see if there is a future. But I certainly can't see him making the World Cup. I certainly can't see him making the World Cup squad. One hell of a rugby league player. That sidestep, I think, is a lot more conducive in league uh, with the way the game is set up defensively, um and, you know, players set up more sort of flat footed in, in terms of the defensive lines and stuff. So wouldn't surprise me if he goes back. Um but he'll always, you know, right or wrong, he'll always be considered a more black. So he's played his two tests or whatever it was. But um yeah, no, good luck to him and yeah, I think rugby leagues where he's better suited. <laughs>
1: Rugby League's got uh, a few issues to sort through. Um, Lavina, first of all, would you go? Would you be going if it's on? Still, hopefully, it is to the Indigenous game. Would you would you be going down there?
0: Yeah, definitely, without a doubt, Rotorua I'm looking forward to that with an All Stars. Yeah, looking forward to that. And the season's just around the corner, and all eyes are on. Actually, we talked about Chooks with last Shake, but I hear Wayne Bennett with the Dolphins might be interested in him as well. And he's got plenty of coin at the moment. Wayne Bennett, the former. Brisbane Broncos super coach that's taking on the Dolphins this year. So rugby league fans have plenty to get excited about. New coach for the Warriors, which is awesome. They needed some fresh blood in there, which will be nice. And they seem to have a squad that will maybe get them into the top eight. That's what it's about. You only have to get in the top half of the competition in the NRL to continue. So I'm really amped for the rugby league season kickoff and it doesn't matter what team you follow, Smitty, whatever team you support, if you're invested in the game of rugby league, the concept and what they produce in the NRL is so good it doesn't matter what team you're following it's all quality there mate, absolute quality.
1: Okay Um, that's the other um, part of the question that I wanted to talk to you about, Lavina. is the CBA collective bargaining agreement uh, centred around uh, the NRLW uh, do you see this being sorted in time?
0: I don't know if it will be sorted in time and I, I, I really feel for some of these um, female rugby league players that would like to have these contracts um, done and dusted before the season kicks off and I understand the collective uh, bargaining tool coming in in terms of supporting those female players but the game is certainly growing in, in popularity in a country where 15 years ago there was no support for women's rugby league whatsoever and now the NRLW is certainly drawing a lot of attention from rugby league pundits all over Australia and New Zealand. I know they're working tirelessly on it at the moment with their, um, with their team managers and players' associations, but I'm just not too sure whether or not it will be sorted before the start of the season, which is absolutely absurd. I mean, if we were talking about the men's game and the collective bargaining agreements and contracts not being signed before kick-off, everyone would be up in arms about it. So, yeah, let's hope that they get some pen on paper the contracts are done and uh, we start paying our female sports people exactly what they're worth because they're as entertaining as what you would like them to be and you should get paid what you're worth so let's hope that that gets developed soon
1: Mark Watson, how about Dem Breakers, big uh, comeback win last night, looking good
2: yeah, look, I um, took my son actually to the last home game for the Breakers of um, Melbourne a-, a week ago and I've got to say, what a wonderful entertainment package that is. I mean, boy, they do it well. I mean, one of the big criticisms in this country is often the whole game day experience. Um, you know, they describe Eden Park as sort of a cemetery with chips at times and, you know, going into grounds, you sort of feel like you're going through sort of customs in Singapore uh, because you might have a salad roll or a bottle of water on you and it's not it's not the most friendly environment. But look, it's um, yeah, it's great. Look, it's just great for basketball in this country, isn't it? I, I've got to say, I, I was very lucky when I was living in Canada that I saw a lot of NBA games, and I hadn't actually been to a Breakers game for a while. I was really impressed by the standard of both teams, the quality of players. Um, and wouldn't it be nice? I think what's now four years since we haven't made the playoffs. We are in the playoffs. We've proven a week, a couple of weeks earlier, that we can beat the might of Sydney and Sydney, and. We've got some momentum. You know, they'd probably want to start a little bit better. Uh, they sort of required a second-half rally last night, and it required a second-half rally to the game I went to. But, look, they're in the fight. And um, the great thing with them, they've got a great track record away from home as well. So, yeah, look, certainly do wish um, certainly do wish the Breakers all the very, very best. It's just such a boom sport basketball, isn't it? And uh, that was evident by just the fact that um, Spark Arena w- was sold out. Of the game that we that we did go to, and and, and you can understand why.
1: Uh, look, uh, I, I, what I look uh, like about it, uh, we've got a, and basketball's full of these um, these uh, expressive uh, coaches, uh, Lavina. You know, um, you see them in, in the NBA uh, up and down the sideline. They're part and parcel of the of the coverage. They're absolutely magnificent. And Modi Maor, we've got a guy who tends to, and he's not even one of us as such. Wears a very much New Zealand heart on his sleeve.
0: Yeah, he's very emotional. He's great to watch. I love when the camera camera shots come on him. Um, and it was interesting what um, Mark mentioned about how entertaining the live games are. I think they've really cracked that with the breakers. I wanted to mention that as well. Win or lose, and it was only a month ago they lost four in a row. I think, and I thought to myself, they're not going to make they're not going to make the playoffs. So the fifth year running they've got no chance and now after the 36ers beat the taipans last night they're in with the chance to come in the top two which is fabulous so i think i've got a couple of games um against the hawks and the bullets and they're at the bottom of the table so a month ago i thought they wouldn't make the playoffs and then two more games two more victories and they could secure that one two finish which would be really cool for their playoff um chances but it's just, it's just, even with last night's game, when they were trailing by 14 to 16, they actually didn't look like they were going to lose, even though they were behind by so much. So there must be a really good team culture at the moment at the Breakers, and that's reflected mm. in their performance, especially when they're winning, um, and even, in fact, when they're losing, like last night. So the team culture is good, and it would be great for those basketball fans. And there's, there's plenty of people playing basketball at the moment. It's so popular... the Tottinger Basketball Association is massive here in the Bay of Plenty and you've got lots of uh, kids and and a friend of mine once said put them on a court and keep them out of court and i think that resonates with lots of people when it comes to getting getting youngsters to play basketball keep them focused give them something to aim for and and lots of kids now don't just want to be Stephen Adams they actually want to play for the breakers which is awesome
1: Love that. I love that saying. Um, I might use that at some stage if it's not trademarked by you. Um, the other thing, uh, Lavina, which is uh, dear to your heart, because it's only about uh, 13 days away, is the first Test match uh, against England, and it's at your beloved uh, Bay Oval. And uh, Interesting. I, I honestly didn't think Kyle Jamison would make the first Test squad. I didn't think he would have had enough bowling, but there he is and poised to play.
0: I'm amped. I love my test cricket, Smitty. Uh, I live for it, actually. I live for it, live for it. So I'm so excited that not only the Poms are coming, but we get to watch them here at um, Bay Oval. I'm really happy for Cole Jamison. I know he's only had a a couple of game warm-up games for Auckland, and I kept an eye on him. He had full run-up for those. And apparently that injury that he picked up in Nottingham last June, I think it was, is just about fully recovered. So that's great news for him and Coach Steed. So that they can look to the future, especially with Trent Bolt not playing. I'm also really glad Matt Henry's in the squad as well. I like him; he's a solid player. He just brings something solid to the um, Black Caps, which I like. But we're talking about a Black Cap side, somebody that hasn't had a win from their last six Test outings, taking on McCullum and Stokes, who have won nine of their ten Test matches. So. I'm really amped to watch the Poms play as well. I watched that third one day against South Africa where um, England, they 3 four, 7 and Jofra Archer. Oh, my goodness. How fast can that bowl? He is like lightning, honestly. Just to see that with your own eyes is going to be outstanding. So, yeah, less than two weeks to go, buddy, and I'll be there at Bay Oval, the most magnificent cricketing oval in Aotearoa.
1: He's a spinner compared to the West Indies of the 80s. Lavina, promise you that. A spinner. Just an off spinner. Just an off spinner. And uh, as we say goodbye uh, and thank you very much to Mark Watson and Lavina Good this morning for being participants on the panel. Just reminding you, Roger tuovasa that you've uh, burnt something very, very special. Very special.